Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about valvular heart disease. And you can find written notes on this topic at zerotofinals.com slash valvular heart disease or in the cardiology section of the second edition of the Zero to Finals medicine book. So let's get straight into it. Let's start with the normal heart sounds. The first heart sound, S1, is caused by the closing of the atrioventricular valves, which is the tricuspid valve on the right and the mitral valve on the left, at the start of the systolic contraction of the ventricles. So as the ventricles start to squeeze, the tricuspid and mitral valves will close, causing the first heart sound. The second heart sound, or S2, is caused by the closing of the semilunar valves, the pulmonary valve on the right side and the aortic valve on the left side, once systolic contraction is complete. So as the ventricles have finished contracting and they start to relax, the pulmonary and aortic valves will close, causing the second heart sound. Have a listen to the normal heart sounds S1 and S2. Next let's talk about the third heart sound. A third heart sound, called S3, is heard roughly 0.1 seconds after the second heart sound. Think of it as rapid ventricular filling causing the chordae tendini in the heart to pull to their full length and twang like a guitar string. Having the extra heart sound of S3 can result in what's described as a gallop rhythm. Have a listen to an example of the third heart sound. A third heart sound can be normal in young healthy patients aged around 15 to 40 years old because the heart functions so well that the ventricles rapidly fill. In older patients it can indicate heart failure, as the ventricles and the chordae are stiff and weak and they reach their limit much faster than normal. You can think of this like tight hamstrings in an old deconditioned patient sharply tightening as they bend forward. Next let's talk about the fourth heart sound. A fourth heart sound, called S4, is heard directly before S1. Have a listen to this example of a fourth heart sound. A fourth heart sound is always abnormal and it's relatively rare to hear. It indicates a stiff or hypertrophic ventricle and it's caused by turbulent flow from that atria contracting against the non-compliant ventricle. Next let's talk about listening to murmurs. Auscultate with the stethoscope bell to better hear low pitch sounds and with the diaphragm to listen to higher pitch sounds. You can remember this by thinking of a child's high-pitched screaming from their diaphragm and a church bell giving a deep bong. 
Listen over the four valve areas in turn for murmurs. The pulmonary valve is in the second intercostal space on the left sternal border. The aortic valve is in the second intercostal space on the right sternal border. The tricuspid area is in the fifth intercostal space on the left sternal border. And the mitral area is in the fifth intercostal space in the midclavicular line. And this is also the apex area. Also listen at Herb's point. And this is the third intercostal space on the left sternal border. And this is the best area for listening to the overall heart sounds, S1 and S2. Special manoeuvres can be used to emphasise certain murmurs. Position the patient on their left side for mitral stenosis and position them sat up, leaning forward and holding exhalation for aortic regurgitation. Next let's talk about assessing a murmur. The features of a murmur can be remembered with the script mnemonic. S for sight, meaning where is the murmur the loudest. C for character, is it soft, blowing, crescendo meaning getting louder, decrescendo meaning getting quieter, or crescendo decrescendo meaning getting louder and then quieter again. R is for radiation. Can you hear the murmur radiating anywhere, usually the carotids for aortic stenosis or the left axilla in the armpit for mitral regurgitation? I is for intensity. What grade is the murmur? And we'll talk in more detail about that shortly. P is for pitch. Is it high pitched or low pitched or rumbling? And pitch indicates the velocity. So if it's a higher velocity, it'll be a higher pitch. And T is for timing. Is it systolic or diastolic? Let's talk in more detail about the murmur grade. Grading a murmur is quite subjective. However, it's helpful in assessing the severity of the defect and it will help you sound clever when you're presenting your findings. If in doubt, the murmur is probably grade 2 or 3. Grade 1 is difficult to hear, grade 2 is quiet, grade 3 is easy to hear, grade 4 is easy to hear with a palpable thrill, so when you put your hand over the area you can actually feel the murmur against your hand. Grade 5 is audible with the stethoscope barely touching the chest and grade 6 is when it's audible with the stethoscope completely off the chest. Next let's talk about describing a murmur. You can use this script to describe a murmur in your exams. Use it to describe potential murmurs during your OSCE practice sessions so that it becomes second nature so you'll sound very slick when presenting to your examiner. Here's an example of the script used to describe an aortic stenosis murmur. This patient has a grade 3 ejection systolic murmur heard loudest in the aortic area that radiates to the carotids. It is high-pitched and has a crescendo-decrescendo shape. This is suggestive of a diagnosis of aortic stenosis. Let's talk about hypertrophy and dilatation. Valvular heart disease can cause hypertrophy which is thickening both outwards and into the chamber, 
or dilatation, which is thinning and expanding, like blowing up a balloon, of the myocardium or heart muscle in different heart areas. This affects the chamber immediately before the pathological valve, for example the left ventricle in aortic pathology and the left atrium in mitral pathology. When pushing against a stenotic or narrowed valve, the muscle has to work harder, resulting in hypertrophy. Mitral stenosis causes left atrial hypertrophy and aortic stenosis causes left ventricular hypertrophy. When a leaky valve allows blood to flow back into a chamber, this stretches the muscle, resulting in dilatation. Mitral regurgitation causes left atrial dilatation and aortic regurgitation causes left ventricular dilatation. Let's talk in detail about aortic stenosis. Aortic stenosis is the most common valvular heart disease and the most common indication for valve replacement surgery. It refers to narrowing of the aortic valve, restricting blood flow from the left ventricle to the aorta. Aortic stenosis causes an ejection systolic, high-pitched murmur due to the high blood flow velocity through the aortic valve. This has a crescendo-decrescendo character due to the speed of blood flow across the valve during different periods of systole. Flow during systole is slowest at the start and end and fastest in the middle. Have a listen to an example of this ejection systolic high-pitched murmur. In aortic stenosis, the murmur radiates to the carotids as the turbulence continues up into the neck. Other signs of aortic stenosis are a thrill in the aortic area on palpation, a slow rising pulse, a narrow pulse pressure, which is the difference between the systolic and the diastolic blood pressure, and exertional syncope, which is lightheadedness and fainting when exercising due to difficulty maintaining blood flow to the brain. The causes of aortic stenosis are idiopathic age-related calcification, which is by far the most common cause, a bicuspid aortic valve, and rheumatic heart disease. Next let's talk about aortic regurgitation. Aortic regurgitation refers to an incompetent aortic valve which allows blood to flow back from the aorta into the left ventricle. Aortic regurgitation typically causes an early diastolic soft murmur. This murmur is very soft and occurs shortly after the second heart sound, making it early diastolic. So have a listen to this example of an aortic regurgitation murmur. Aortic regurgitation can also cause something called an Austin Flint murmur and this is heard at the apex as a diastolic rumbling murmur. 
This is caused by blood flowing back through the aortic valve and over the mitral valve, causing it to vibrate. Other signs of aortic regurgitation are a thrill in the aortic area on palpation, a collapsing pulse, a wide pulse pressure, so a big difference between the diastolic and systolic blood pressure, and heart failure and pulmonary edema. A collapsing pulse, also known as a water hammer pulse, is a forcefully appearing and then rapidly disappearing pulse. This is typically felt in the radial artery with the patient's arm held straight upwards. A collapsing pulse occurs as blood is forcefully pumped out of the left ventricle, then immediately flows backwards back through the incompetent aortic valve. Causes of aortic regurgitation are idiopathic age-related weakness, a bicuspid aortic valve, and connective tissue disorders such as Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and Marfan syndrome. Next let's talk about mitral stenosis. Mitral stenosis is a narrowed mitral valve restricting the blood flow from the left atrium to the left ventricle. Mitral stenosis causes a mid-diastolic, low-pitched, rumbling murmur due to a low blood flow velocity. The first heart sound, or S1, is loud due to the thick mitral valves requiring a large systolic force in order to shut them, and then they suddenly shut, causing a louder S1. There is an opening snap after the second heart sound, which triggers the onset of the murmur. Have a listen to this example of a mitral stenosis murmur, which remember is mid-diastolic, happening during diastole. There's a loud first heart sound and an opening snap after S2. Other signs of mitral stenosis are a tapping apex beat, which is a palpable, prominent first heart sound, a malar flush, which we'll talk about more shortly, and there may be atrial fibrillation, which gives an irregularly irregular pulse. A malar flush refers to red discoloration of the skin on the upper cheeks and the nose. And this is due to back pressure of blood into the pulmonary system, into the lungs, causing a rise in CO2 and vasodilation, expanding of the blood vessels on the face. Atrial fibrillation is caused by the left atrium struggling to push blood through the stenotic mitral valve, causing strain, electrical disruption and then atrial fibrillation. The main causes of mitral stenosis are rheumatic heart disease and infective endocarditis. A Tom tip for you, when you're examining a patient with heart valve pathology, look for signs of the potential underlying cause. For example, look for signs of infective endocarditis in a patient with mitral stenosis, such as splinter hemorrhages, Janeway lesions, Osler's nodes, and splenomegaly, and offer to look in the back of the eye to look for Roth spots. Look for signs of Marfan syndrome in a patient with aortic regurgitation, 
such as tall stature, long limbs, arachnodactyly, which is long slender fingers, and a high arched palate. This will make you look very clever in your exams. Next let's talk about mitral regurgitation. Mitral regurgitation refers to an incompetent mitral valve, allowing blood to flow back from the left ventricle to the left atrium during systolic contraction of the left ventricle. The leaking valve causes a reduced ejection fraction and a backlog of blood waiting to be pumped through the left side of the heart, resulting in congestive cardiac failure. Mitral regurgitation is the second most common indication for valve replacement. Mitral regurgitation causes a pansystolic, high-pitched, whistling murmur due to the high velocity of blood flow through the leaky valve. This murmur radiates to the left axilla and you may hear a third heart sound. Have a listen to this example of a mitral regurgitation murmur and remember it's pansystolic, higher pitched and you may hear a third heart sound. Other signs of mitral regurgitation are a thrill in the mitral area on palpation, signs of heart failure and pulmonary edema, and there may be atrial fibrillation with an irregularly irregular pulse. The causes of mitral regurgitation are idiopathic weakening of the valve with age, ischemic heart disease, infective endocarditis, rheumatic heart disease, and connective tissue disorders such as Ehlers-Danlos syndrome or Marfan syndrome. Next let's talk about tricuspid regurgitation. Tricuspid regurgitation refers to an incompetent tricuspid valve allowing blood to flow back from the right ventricle into the right atrium during systolic contraction of the right ventricle. Tricuspid regurgitation causes a pansystolic murmur. There is a split second heart sound due to the pulmonary valve closing earlier than the aortic valve as the right ventricle empties faster than the left ventricle. Have a listen to this example of tricuspid regurgitation. See if you can hear the pansystolic murmur and the split second heart sound. Other signs of tricuspid regurgitation are a thrill in the tricuspid area on palpation, a raised jugular venous pressure or JVP with giant CV waves which is Lanchisi's sign, a pulsatile liver due to regurgitation into the venous system through the tricuspid valve, peripheral edema and ascites. The causes of tricuspid regurgitation are pressure due to left-sided heart failure or pulmonary hypertension, and this is referred to as functional, infective endocarditis, rheumatic heart disease, carcinoid syndrome, Epstein's anomaly, and connective tissue disorders such as Marfan syndrome. 
Finally, let's talk about pulmonary stenosis. Pulmonary stenosis is a narrowed pulmonary valve, restricting blood flow from the right ventricle into the pulmonary arteries. Pulmonary stenosis causes an ejection systolic murmur loudest in the pulmonary area during deep inspiration. There is a widely split second heart sound as the left ventricle empties much faster than the right ventricle, meaning that aortic and pulmonary valves close at different times. Have a listen to this example of pulmonary stenosis and see if you can hear the ejection systolic murmur and the widely split second heart sound. Other signs of pulmonary stenosis are a thrill in the pulmonary area on palpation, a raised jugular venous pressure or JVP with giant A waves, and the giant A waves are due to the right atrium contracting against a hypertrophic right ventricle, peripheral edema, and ascites. Pulmonary stenosis is usually congenital and it may be associated with Noonan syndrome and the Tetralogy of Fallot. Tetralogy of Fallot is a congenital condition where there are four coexisting pathologies, a ventricular septal defect or VSD, an overriding aorta, pulmonary valve stenosis and right ventricular hypertrophy. So thanks for listening to this episode on valvular heart disease. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast. If you like this podcast, consider becoming a member of the Zero to Finals Patreon, where you'll get early access to the podcast episodes, early access to the YouTube videos, as well as access to the Zero to Finals members area, which includes the digital flashcards and the question bank for testing your knowledge. And I hope you join us for the next episode where we'll talk about prosthetic heart valves.